Welcome back to Parker's MMA Show. In this week's edition, we're going to recap UFC 243 went down last weekend in Australia. We're going to look forward to UFC Tampa going down this weekend. And then we're going to jump into a couple current events in the fight world. Let's get into it. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I give my money right. Oh. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I spent that on a necklace. Alrighty. So this week I want to start off with uh, recapping UFC 243. I'm going to run through the results here. Pretty awesome turnout in Australia. You had 57,000 plus people in attendance. Um, ended up being a pretty entertaining card, even though there weren't a lot of big names um, you know, on the main card. It, all the fights were, were pretty good, action-packed. So I'm going to run through the results here, and then we'll kind of dive into each fight. Israel Adesanya, the last style bender, defeated Robert Whitaker by TKO, second round, 3 minutes and 33 seconds in. We had Dan Hooker. Won a unanimous decision, um, 30-27, 30-27, and 30-26 against Raging Al Iaquinta. You had um, Ser- Sergey Spivanok defeated Tai Tulavasa by second round submission via arm triangle choke. Three minutes and 14 seconds in. We had Diego Lima defeated Luke Juamu. I don't know how to say his last name, but um, split decision, I thought... That was a crazy decision. I thought he um, clearly won by unanimous decision. We had Jorgen DeCastro defeated Justin Taffa by first round knockout. Two minutes, ten seconds in. Um, other notable cards on there. We had Jake Matthews got a unanimous decision against Rostam Akman. Let's see. Jamie Malarkey and the Brad Riddles fight. You had... Um, Brad Riddles won unanimous decision. And then we had Megan Anderson got a nice submission via triangle in the first round. So uh, let's jump into this card. I want to start here at the top. We had obviously the big fight everyone was looking forward to. Rob Whitaker taking on Israel Adesanya. Okay, so let's get started with the um, the walkouts. The walkouts to me were they were awesome. I mean, they they were perfect for each guy. Um, Israel obviously had that crazy, crazy over-the-top choreographed dance routine with his buddies from, uh, you know, childhood buddies that he grew up dancing with. I thought that was really cool, and it was really cool on the UFC to let him do that. Obviously, they don't let just anyone do that. Um, but, I mean, that's kind of who Israel is. I, he said it in all the interviews. He said, you know, when I'm having fun, that's me fighting at my best level and man he looked awesome he's got the makings of just being one of the biggest superstars I think ever in the sports we talked about it last week obviously he's got African ties and then he was you know raised in New Zealand so he's got both of those cultures behind him and I think he can really really take up some big steam and become you know a huge star for the African market and then, you know, worldwide. Um, and they've never really had that before. Obviously they've got, you know, in the African market, you've got Usman who's, you know, just became champ, but I I think they can really get behind Israel Adesanya. Um, and I, I just think he's going to be a huge star. So he absolutely crushed the work, the, the walkout, um, 
you know, he had the guys started out with their dancing, and then after that, he he comes walking down the tunnel. They group up, and then he does a choreographed dance, and then a fucking backflip in front of fifty-seven thousand people. The balls that it has, that it takes to do that. You know, even before you have to walk into the octagon and face one of the scariest middleweights of all time and Robert Whitaker, that just shows you where Izzy's at mentally. I, I just think he's on a whole, whole nother level. So that was just his walkout. His walkout was, I mean, crazy. One of the best things I've ever seen, you know, performer-wise. Um, then after that... You know, Rob walks out and he just looks like a crazed fucking animal. Um, after he walked out, I was so, so pumped for this fight. I think Robert Whitaker beating the chest and giving the crazy, crazy scream and crazy eyes is one of the best uh, walkouts in MMA. He's just so intense. And then when they got in there, they squared off. Um, you know, the first round, fight-wise, I, I thought Robert Whitaker was doing exactly what I said he would do last week. He would, you know, push the pressure. He would use his blitzes to get in and hurt Izzy. But Izzy was just a step ahead the whole time. You know, he was, his movement, you know, his footwork and his head movement is just next level. He's able to evade just by you know, a fraction and get out of the way. He missed some huge, huge bombs by Robert Whitaker in the first round that if that makes contact with you, that's putting you out. I don't care who you are. Robert Whitaker's got crazy power. And like I said last week, if he clips you, he's going to finish you. But he wasn't able to. Izzy was able to evade him, evade him, evade him. Um, You know, he probably evaded 15 to 20 blitzes in that first round. And that last second was able to clip him and put him down. Um, you know, I, I thought the fight was over when he clipped him. I went fucking crazy, jumped out of my seat. I couldn't believe it. Um, but the ref, I think it was, um, what's his name, the British guy, Mark Goddard. Um, he did a great job of, of just being all over it. You know, if, if he's not in the right spot, Izzy's coming down and finishing that fight. And Mark Goddard was able to jump in there and and basically save Rob, you know, and extend the fight to the second round. Um, in the second round, I, I thought Rob Whitaker would have changed up tactics. Um, you know, there was a lot of comparisons over the week leading up to the fight and the months leading up to the fight of, you know, Rob himself and his coaches comparing him to GSP. For me... If GSP were to get clipped in the first round like that, he's coming out and he's wrestling. He's not doing the same thing that got him hurt. And that's what Rob did. Um, there was no tactic change from Rob at all. You know, he, he used the same strategy. He came forward and and kept exchanging with Izzy and blitzing him. And, you know, Izzy was able to read him and, you know, he missed on one of those big hooks and Izzy caught him with the left hook, knocked him down, and then he was able to finish him. So for Rob, I, I just thought that was, I, I thought he was trying to push the fight too much. Obviously with, with, with Izzy, you've got to put pressure on him. You can't let him get comfortable and set, 
you know, set up all his combos and get his feints going and stuff like that. But I think he was just too aggressive and he got clipped. And, you know, he said it afterwards, he got clipped. That happens in the fight game. And, you know, I, I think Rob's going to be back. And like I said last week, I, I think these guys will fight, you know, one, two, three more times. Because I, I don't think there's anyone else in that division right now that's as good as Whitaker. You know, I think Whitaker, obviously he's beat Yoel twice. Um, let me look at that division real quick. You know, I think Gastelum or Till is an interesting fight for Whitaker. Obviously, I think he's going to have to fight, you know, once or twice um, to get that rematch with Izzy. So, let's see here. Okay. All right, so you've got Izzy's obviously the new champion. We've got Whitaker at one, Paulo Costa, who Izzy called out Paulo Costa after the fight. I think that's a no-brainer. That's got to be the next fight. You've got Kelvin Gastelum and Darren Till who are slated to fight each other in November. So I think that's the next fight for Rob. Um, you know, I, I saw in an interview where he said he wants to make a return in February. I think that, that'll time up good. Those guys fight November 2nd. So that'll kind of tell you a lot of where the middleweight division is after that fight. So, yeah, I'd like to see Rob fight the winner of um, Kelvin and Darren Till. And then you got Yoel Romero, who's still you know floating out there, 42 years old. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier looked fucking incredible against uh, Jack Hermanson a couple weeks ago. So I, I think that's your next couple fights. Um, I don't see Izzy fighting again in 2019. I think that'll probably be you know beginning of 2020. You'll have Izzy versus Paulo Costa. Um, that's going to be a really big fight. Obviously, Paulo Costa's Brazilian. Brazil's looking for the new superstar. He's got everything. I mean, he's got the looks, the power. He fights aggressive. He fights, you know, he, he fights with a lot of action. He's a very fun fighter to watch. So I think that's got to be the next matchup. Then, like I said, I'd like to see Rob get back in there maybe February uh, next year against the winner of Till and Castellum. And then, you know, Yoel and Cannoneer. That'd be a, another fun fight at middleweight. And then besides that, I mean, pretty much everyone else has kind of moved up. You've got Jacare, Chris Weidman. Both of them moved up to light heavyweight. Um, so, yeah, good stuff at middleweight. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that division goes now that you got Izzy at the top. And we'll see how he can do, you know, holding on to that crown up there. But for Izzy, I mean, man, what a what a crazy two years and you know in UFC history this has got to be you know top two or three uh, quickest rises to becoming a champion it's it's up there with you know McGregor or Anderson Silva um so I mean he made his debut in the UFC let me see February of 2018 where he TKO Rob Wilkinson then he had a split decision against Marvin Vittori a decision win against Brad Tavares. He TKO'd Derek Brunson. He had the decision win against Anderson Silva. 
decision win against Kelvin Gastelum and then knocked out Rob Whitaker to become the undisputed middleweight champion. So, I mean, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. His seventh fight, he's a champion. If you compare that to Connor, you know, I think that's pretty similar. I think Connor had six or seven fights before he was champion. But the rise is, is very similar. And you can see, you know, the potential for star power is very, very similar. Um, and it'll be interesting to see you know, how the African nation and New Zealand gets behind Israel. Um, so yeah, Connor made his debut in 2013 where he knocked out, let's see, Marcus Brimage. And then after that, he had Max Holloway, Diego Brandao, Dustin Poirier, Dennis Seaver, Chad Mendez, which was his fifth fight where he won the interim championship. And then his sixth fight, he knocked out Jose Aldo. So a very similar rise. You know, both of them were able to win the interim championship, and then they set up a huge fight for their first title attempt. Um, so, yeah, a very, very similar rise for those two guys. I see a lot of guys making comparisons, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I think Izzy has the potential to be as big, if not bigger, of a star than Connor. Um, you know, he's still still young, 30 years old, really hasn't taken a lot of damage. We talked about that last week. He had a long kickboxing career. Um, but, I mean, you know, he hasn't been knocked out a lot. He hasn't had a lot of crazy wars. He's been very dominant in the UFC so far. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the UFC does with Izzy and, you know, how they get behind him and the marketing dollars they put behind him. But, He's going to be a gigantic star. So for me, I mean, star of the weekend was definitely Izzy. He just checked all the the boxes. He killed all the interviews in fight week leading up to it. Made the weight, obviously, no problem. Walkout, phenomenal. Performance in the octagon, phenomenal. And then his call out afterwards, phenomenal. Uh, Paulo Acosta, that's a... Huge fight. Um, I'm really, really hoping they put that on somewhere big. Um, you know, obviously Africa would be cool or Brazil. A, a really, really big card um, to kind of showcase those two guys. Um, you know, early, early predictions. I, I, I think Paulo. I keep calling him Paula because that's what Izzy calls him. Uh, Paulo Costa. I think he gets hit a lot. Um, you know, he he has a lot of power. He had that crazy war with Yoel. Um, but I, I think right now, at the moment, I think Israel is just a step above everyone at middleweight. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be able to get through the next couple guys. And I'm really hoping that Rob can get back on track and they build for a huge, huge rematch, you know, sometime in 2020. So that's what I, I see right now with the middleweight division. Um, obviously, you've got the call-outs with John Jones. He, he was just talking a lot of shit, um, you know, leading up to the fight. I just really think it's way too early to make that fight. Um, I think they need to let that build. And maybe, you know, if they're going to book it, Israel needs to defend that middleweight title a couple times, get some big wins. Obviously, if he can beat Paulo Costa and then get past, 
you know, whether it be Rob again in a rematch or, you know, if Yoel rises up or Kelvin Gastelum in a rematch, I, I think he's got to win, you know, probably two more fights, maybe three. And then maybe at the end of 2020, they look to make that huge super fight with him and John Jones. I just think he's he needs to a put on a lot of weight. He's he's small. I mean, he barely makes the middleweight cut. I think he weighs in at 182 or 183. And John Jones is a big guy. John Jones cuts from you know 225 to get down to uh, light heavyweight. So. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think that will be a huge fight down the road, just not right now. I, I think everyone needs to kind of pump the brakes and let that one build naturally, which it will. Um, you know, maybe let John go up to heavyweight and take a big fight while he kind of lets light heavyweight shake out. And by the time he comes back to light heavyweight, you know, maybe Israel will become a dominant middleweight champion. And then that fight's there. It's it's, it's a natural build. You don't have to force it. Um you know, and I think the UFC needs to not shelter Israel, but not feed him to John Jones right now. Let his star build and just let it develop naturally. Don't rush it. Okay, so that's my thoughts on John Jones. Um, one more thing on Rob. I, I, I've seen quite a bit of people uh, talking this week about maybe, you know, maybe those 10, 10 round wars with. Yoel, maybe maybe that took his chin. Maybe it did. Um, there's there's no way of telling. To me, he didn't look bad. He just I, I don't think he he fought smart. And I mean, Israel's got power. Everyone was hating on Israel's power, but uh, he's got just beautifully timed counters, and he can he's dangerous. He can put you away. Um, obviously, Rob took a lot of damage. You know, he got knocked down several times. In those Yoel fights, he had a lot of injuries he was coming off of. Um, you know, I, I just think the UFC put him in a really, really hard spot to take on Izzy. You know, kind of heading into the height of his powers. And Rob had been off for, you know, 16, 18 months. And took a lot of damage in those Yoel Romero fights. So, it is what it is. I mean, it's the UFC. You can't necessarily get a tune-up fight. Um, I wish they would have found a way to give him some sort of tune-up fight before the Izzy fight, but they didn't. Um, I think time will tell on Rob. Obviously, he's still super young. He's 28 years old. I know that seems super crazy. It seems like he's been in the UFC forever, but he's young. Um, He's got a lot of good years ahead of him. I don't think his chin's been compromised. Um, You know, I think he just got caught twice. He got caught twice by two amazing counters and he got set down and finished um he said it directly after the fight he'll be back so i'm really looking forward to what rob whitaker does to get back to his winning ways and like i said if he if he can make his way back get one or two fights wins under him uh that's a huge huge rematch fight with him and izzy so um moving on the co-main event we had dan hooker taking on raging al so you've got Dan Hooker, who is teammates with Izzy at City Kickboxing. Their head coach, Eugene Barriman, cornered both of them. Um, so big night for them. That was that was cool to see all those guys. They had fighting, and they've really put that club on the map there. So um, Dan Hooker, I, I kind of slept on Dan Hooker last week as well. I, I thought that you know Al would just be a real big step up from him. Obviously, he had that 
loss to um, Edson Barbosa about a year or so ago. But ever since then, he's really just been on a terror. So, yeah, I mean, Dan Hooker was just able to really control the fight. His kickboxing's really, really good. It's similar to Izzy. It's, it's um, you know, just very unpredictable. Those guys do a really, really good job of mixing it up. And I, I just, I thought he was in control the whole time. Yeah, so he got knocked out in that brutal, brutal fight by uh, Edson Barbosa, where Edson really beat him up. That was back in December of 2018. Ever since then, he had that knockout down in San Antonio against James Vick. I was actually there for that. That was a crazy, crazy knockout. Um, And then he just dominated Al. So good 2019 for Dan Hooker. He got on the mic afterwards and called out Dustin Poirier. Um, I think that's probably too much of a step up. Um, Yeah, they had a little Twitter back and forth. Dustin said, I'm fighting the Irishman next. You're close, but not yet, buddy. Keep punching. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I think Dan's right. I mean, Dustin's right. Um, Dan Hooker, let me look at the lightweight rankings real quick. Dan Hooker should be close to the top five. Obviously, he beat Raging Al. I think Raging Al was maybe fifth. Let's see. Okay, lightweight. We've got Khabib, the champion. Tony Ferguson, number one. Dustin Poirier, number two. Connor, number three. I don't get. I mean, if Connor's not fighting, why is he in the rankings? That I'll never get why they do that. Um, Justin Gaethje, four. Cowboy, five. Paul Felder, six. And Dan Hooker was seven. So, um,. Paul Felder versus Dan Hooker. That's an awesome fight. You know, I, I I think Paul Felder was looking to get back in there pretty soon. He just had that big win in Abu Dhabi against uh, Edson Barbosa. So, yeah, Dan Hooker, Paul Felder. Uh, Dan Hooker versus Cowboy. That's really the two options. I, I think he's really one, one more fight away from, you know, breaking into the top four or five where you would have, you know, Dustin Poirier or Connor or Justin Gaethje, those type of people. But, um, yeah, so next, uh, totally down with Paul Felder versus uh, Dan Hooker. That's a fucking phenomenal fight. I heard he was on Ariel and said he didn't really want to fight Cowboy. He thought it was bad for him, fighting someone coming off a knockout. I agree. I, I think, um, you know, Cowboy could maybe fight... And he's pretty much fought everyone in the top 15. Um, you know, Cowboy would be interesting to see. Maybe he'll move back to 170. Who knows? But uh, Dan Hooker, Paul Felder. That's the next fight. That would be awesome. Um, for Al, that's a tough loss for Al. Um, you know, that's going to move him down the rankings. <sighs> Al's a tough guy. I, I just don't see him getting another crack at the championship. That's a lot of guys he has to get back through. So he'll always be a a tough fight, you know, in the top 10, but I I don't see him really breaking back through to the top five. Um, Okay, next, let's see. 
And I was really bummed about this. We had Tai Tulavasa. Tai Tulavasa is one of my favorite heavyweights. He's very entertaining. He's similar to Israel. He's just super charismatic. Obviously, he's known for the shoeies, where he drinks some nasty uh, shoes of random people filled with beer, chugs it after the fights. Uh, that's always entertaining. But he always has cool walkouts. You know, he's he's just a fun guy. Um, really, really good knockout power. You know, he had, all of his fights are always fun. He's just, he's on a losing streak here, and he really needed to get this win, and he couldn't do it. Um, man, this is a, it's a bad, bad loss for Taito Lavasa. So, let me look at his record real quick. Yeah, so, yeah, that brings him to 9-3. and three. So, he started out hot in the UFC. He had two knockouts. He knocked out uh, Richard Coulter, then uh, Cyril Asker, and then he had that unanimous decision against Andre Olowski. So things were looking good for Ty Tulavasa, but ever since then, he's got knocked out by Junior Dos Santos, lost a unanimous decision to Blagoy Ivanov, and then he just got out-wrestled by uh, Sergei Spivak here. So, um... Man, he, he looked really good on his feet in the beginning. You know, I, I thought he was his footwork looked good. He was putting good combos together, and and he just can't wrestle. He, he, he just got wrestled, taken down time after time. He kept throwing kicks, and the guy was just catching his kicks, taking him down, holding him down. He almost submitted him a couple times, and... He just didn't look good. I, I I just think, as much as I hate to say this, I just don't think he's a top 10 fighter in the UFC. You know, he may be a guy that they just keep around for fun fights. Um, but unless he improves, he's not going to be able to compete with these these top-level heavyweights in the UFC. Um, which sucks, because he's got all the potential of being a star at heavyweight. He's 26 years old. I mean, he's he's still young heavyweights can fight forever so you know i think he's a guy that can hang around he's entertaining he's gonna sell tickets but right now he's got to improve a lot i I think the ufc set him up for you know this could have been a huge night for him obviously he's fighting in front of his home crowd you know they set him up with a guy that would bang with him a little bit and he just can't wrestle he's got his ground and you know takedown defense and everything just seems amateur so that was a huge letdown I I thought Ty was going to be set up for a huge highlight reel knockout and you know get the fans going crazy for the co-main event and the main event but just didn't happen he just kind of got took down dominated and and he ended up losing so uh sucks for Ty Tulavasa I hope to see him back for that Russian guy you know, uh, good for him. Uh, that should get him a top 10 fight, you know, at the heavyweight division. And um, he looked pretty good overall. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what's next for those two guys. Um, other notable fights, you had this, um, oh, this was a brutal knockout. The um, De Castro versus uh, Tafa. I think Tafa was one of Taito Lavasa and Tyson Pedro's teammates. Um, this just looked, this looked kind of like an amateur fight, really. I, I don't know how this was on the, the main event, but this, 
Um, Jorgen DeCastro guy was coming off the contender series, and you know I think this Tafa guy had like four or five fights. So he just the Tafa guy rushes in, and Jorgen DeCastro just knocks him the fuck out. Um, it was uh, you know it looked pretty amateur, but it was a big knockout. I think he might have got knocked out of the night, uh, Jorgen DeCastro. So um, good for him. Good for him. Um, Megan Anderson, she made a comeback. Um, she got a first round submission, so it's good to see her back. And, you know, she came out afterwards and says she thinks that she could give Amanda Nunes a lot of problems. Um, I don't know about that. I, I think, you know, she's got a lot of work to do before she can give Amanda some issues. But, um, you know, she looks the part. She's kind of tall, lengthy, looks pretty well-rounded. She got a very nice first-round submission. So um, good for Megan Anderson. I know she was struggling a little bit, uh, kind of emotionally with the whole, with her mindset and everything. So I think that was good for her to get some confidence back and get a finish. Um, let me see. Brad Riddles, um, that was a fun fight, kind of back-and-forth fight. He made his debut. He's also a, a teammate of Izzy's. So, uh, welcome to the UFC, Brad Riddles. I'll definitely watch him fight again. Um, very entertaining fighter. So, let's see. Let's see, I think that pretty much covers it for UFC 243. Um, so, all in all, pretty good, good fight card overall for, you know, not having any huge names there. But, um, you know, obviously, star of the night. Izzy, Izzy, that was fucking incredible. A star is born. The UFC has definitely got one there. And then Dan Hooker, um, very good win for Dan Hooker. So, yeah, those two guys definitely dominated the show there. Um, next, I want to talk a little boxing. Uh, I didn't watch this whole fight, but we had Triple G fought over the weekend. Obviously, Triple G is one of the best boxers in the world. He was fighting... Uh, Sergey Dervishenko. Um, I watched all the highlights for this. It, you know, it was pretty clear. It looked like Triple G won the first two rounds, and then after that, he got beat up a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of people on Twitter and in the media were saying that this Dervishenko guy got robbed. And watching the highlights, you know. <laughs> He, he kind of did, and that's boxing for you. Um, we've talked about this before, but boxing, it's it's fucked. The judging is fucked, you know. Um, Triple G, I thought he got robbed in the last, really, both of the Canelo fights. I thought he won both of those fights. Pretty clear cut, but I think he got saved here. Um, you know, he, he won the first two fights. He, the first two rounds, he looked pretty normal, looked like normal Triple G. And then somewhere around the third round, uh, Dervinchenko got a cut over his eye that was pretty bad. And really, all throughout the middle rounds, he really pushed the pace. He was, you know, backing Triple G up, hurting him with heavy, heavy body shots. Um, yeah, so kind of a scare there for Triple G. Um, he ended up getting the split decision win, I believe. But... Um, yeah, kind of a scare. I don't, I don't know what that's gonna do 
for that Canelo fight. I know that's the fight he's looking for, the trilogy with Canelo. But you never know. Um, you know, is Triple G getting younger or older and, you know, slowing down? Maybe. How much did those Canelo fights take out of him? Those were hard fights. We don't know. But he was able to get out of there with a win. He claimed two belts at middleweight. So that's going to help his claim to get that trilogy with Canelo. But, um, yeah, scare there for Triple G. And good on Dervinchenko. Uh, he brought the fight to Triple G. And, you know, a lot, a lot of people thought he won that fight. So that's boxing for you. Um, Triple G slid out of there with a 114 to 113 decision. So that was boxing news. Um, coming up this weekend, we've got UFC Tampa. Uh, pretty good fight card. You've got Joanna. Making her return against the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. That's going to be a really good fight at the top. There's a little weirdness going on there with uh, Joanna's weight. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Cub Swanson versus Cron Gracie. That's an awesome fight. Cub Swanson's one of my favorite fighters at featherweight. Obviously, he's been on a losing streak lately. Um, so this is an important fight for him. I think he's, let's see, I think he's lost his last three fights. Let me see. Okay. Yeah, Cubs been on a skid lately. Um, he's he's got four fights in a row. He's lost. He's lost to Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, Hanato Mocano, and then he lost a split decision to Shane Burgo. So um, yeah, this is a must win for Cub. Man, uh, yeah, four fights, four fight losing streak streak is tough in the UFC. Um, I don't see Cub getting cut, but I mean that's that's tough. Four fights in a row, and then he's he draws Cron Gracie. Um, you know, Cron Gracie obviously is from the Gracie family. He's got a huge, huge hype train behind him. I think he's five and zero now. Yeah, five and zero in MMA. He. Let me see. His biggest win so far is um, Bruce Leroy, Alex Caceres, where he got a first-round rear naked choke. Pretty much, yeah, he's got five finishes, so all submission wins. Um, yeah, Cron Gracie's obviously trains with Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz. It's kind of a prodigy in jiu-jitsu. Obviously has a Gracie name. Um, that's going to be an interesting fight. So that's your co-main event. Um, James Vick, Nico Price, welterweight. So that's James Vick's debut up at welterweight. That should be a banger. Um, both of those guys, they always get in there and get after it. So that'll be an interesting fight. Mackenzie Dern, obviously uh, making her comeback. She had a baby, so she's been out you know, over a year. Another just Brazilian jiu-jitsu freak, freak prodigy. Um, she's always super fun to watch. Um, let's see, lightweight, we've got uh, Luis Pena, Violent Bob Ross, uh, best nickname in the game, taking on Matt Frivola. Uh, that'll be a fun fight. All of Luis Pena's fights are fun. We've got Eric, your boy, Anders. He's always fun. Um, taking on GM, 
GM3 who's, you know, kind of a wrestler, jiu-jitsu guy. So that'll be an interesting fight. Eric Anders has some fucking power. So look for some fireworks there. That'll be very interesting. Um, pretty, pretty good main card. Let's see who else you got. Uh, Max Griffin on there. He always has fun fights. Uh, Marlon Chichavera. I like him. This is on the prelims. Um, yeah, so pretty good card. Let's see the, um, Joanna thing. That was kind of weird. Um, there's kind of been some back and forth on Twitter the last couple days. This is the Karate Hottie responding to it. Would you fight her if she can't make the weight? Would you fight her at a catch weight? It depends, you know. Like, I, I think that's the most frustrating part because, um, you know, her claim to um, to the UFC is straw weight queen. So, if you're a straw weight queen, make straw weight weight. <laughs> it's as simple as that. One option being bandy. Yes, I will still fight her. I mean, if, if we're if we're if we're just talking, I would still fight her. I prepared for her. Like, I don't think Joanna's gonna get like her bones are gonna grow any bigger. Like, I knew she was a bigger girl. I fought bigger girls before. Courtney Casey was huge. You know, I was an underdog against Courtney Casey. I was an underdog against Felice because everybody said she was bigger than me. I was an underdog against Carolina because she said they said she had better pressure. Coming into the UFC, I was an underdog because I used to fight at 105. Yeah, so, um, I don't know, it's just been a weird kind of back and forth the last couple of days. You really haven't got a straight answer from Joanna on what's going on. She's just kind of blown it off and said, hey, the weigh-in's Friday. Uh, why are we talking about me missing weight if the weigh-in's Friday? And, um, yeah, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird scene around the main event. Um, for Joanna... And really, both these girls. This is a this is a really big fight. Um, Michelle Waterson has also really been making her claim to get a title shot, and they've kind of been fucking around a little bit. I I know that you know she's got a great story. She wants to become the first mom champ, and she's kind of got that thing going for her, the mom champ, um, which is something I think the UFC should get behind. But she's been on a roll lately. Um, she lost to Tisha Torres, and then ever since then, she beat Courtney Casey, Felice Herring, uh, Carolina Kovacavich. So, yeah, she's been on a roll. Um, this this fight is going to be the next fight for Wei Ling Jing. So, this is a big fight for that strawweight division. For Joanna, you know, she went on that terror where she was just, she was the queen. Uh, she was you know, dominating everyone, and then Thug Rose figured her out, you know, Thug Rose knocked her out, I was live for that, that was in Madison Square Garden back in November of 2017, and, you know, since then, she's kind of been up and down, she had the rematch with Rose, where Rose won, you know, really a dominant decision, and then she got a win against Tisha Torres, and then after that, she moved up and fought Valentina uh, Shevchenko up at flyweight, where she lost unanimous decision. Really, she 
got beat up a little bit. So uh, this is a big fight for her if she wants to stay relevant at 115 and um, you know get back in the mix. So uh, really big fight. Looking forward to that. Uh, pretty good card all around. So that is UFC Tampa Bay going down this weekend. Um, let me see. Early predictions on that. Um, shit. If Yana can make weight, I am going to roll with Michelle Watterson. I'll get behind her. I, I think um, she's got a great story. I'll be pulling for Yoana just really, to me, hasn't been right since Rose beat her twice. I think Rose kind of broke her a little bit. Um, she just doesn't have that kind of killer instinct, just extreme confidence that she used to have when she went on that crazy run um, at strawweight. You know, so like I say, she's getting older. She's had a lot, a lot of fights, and I don't know. I think her time has passed, and I think Michelle Waterson's going to get the job done. So I'm going to roll with Michelle Waterson there, and then I think she'll be the next one to get the title fight. Um, let me see. Let's dive into a couple current events, and then we will get out of here. So earlier this week, Fedor Emelianenko versus Rampage Jackson booked for Bellator December 29th. Japan. That'll be the headliner. Um, that's awesome. That's a, if there's ever a throwback fight, that's a throwback fight. Um, you know, that's a old, kind of gives you the pride vibe. Um, you know, both of these guys fought back in pride in Japan when it was huge. They're both older now, obviously, um, you know, not what they were in their pride, but still, this is, uh, this is going to be a really fun fight. Fedor, he's considered to be, you know, one of the best ever, especially at heavyweight. And then Ramp Rampage has always been a fun fighter, top fighter at heavyweight. So, um, yeah, December 29th, that's a big card for Bellator. I, I love the the artwork, too. It kind of has that old pride feel. So that'll be interesting. Oh, it looks like, yeah, they're going to be working together with Ryzen on that. So that'll be very interesting. Uh, Scott Coker, he's he's doing some good stuff at Bellator. So I, I really, really like tuning into Bellator. I, I think they do some some awesome stuff. Um, Max Holloway. Max Holloway was on Ariel's show last week, said he's 100% going to make a return to lightweight. Uh, that'll be interesting. I, I think... Obviously, he's got this huge test coming up with Alexander Volkanovsky. If he can get past him, I think he kind of cements himself as the best 145-pounder ever. And then after that, I think he's got a lot of options. Um, obviously, hopefully, Tony and Khabib will sort itself out by then. Hopefully, McGregor and Gaethje will get booked. You know, that'll kind of work itself out by then. Dustin, hopefully, will get another fight. Uh, so, yeah, that'll be interesting if... if Max can get a win against Volkanovski. I think he, he does have a huge future at lightweight, and I think he can go up there, and eventually I think he'll be able to be a double champ. He'll have, uh, you know, the 45-pound legacy, and then he'll he'll be able to make some noise up at 155. So that was good to see. Um, Hector Lumbar signs with Bare Knuckle FC. 
Uh, Hector Lumbar is one of the biggest, you know, just physical freak specimens ever. Uh, that'll be interesting. He's got 34 MMA fights, 34 wins in MMA, uh, 10 losses. So he's an older guy. He's 41 years old. He's going to have a fight in bare knuckle. So that'll be, that'll be kind of wild, um, to see someone with that kind of power in bare knuckle. That was interesting. Um, back on this Tampa card, Brock Weaver. Brock Weaver was the guy with the Native American background. He comes out in the full kind of face paint and tribal gear. He's off the card here in Tampa. He was scheduled to fight Thomas Gifford. Uh, that sucks. I was looking forward to him. He made a lot of noise on the Contender Series, uh, but he's off the card here. Uh, wasn't really disclosed what happened. I'm not sure if it was injury or an issue with the weight cut or whatever, but uh, he's off the card. That sucks. Um, let's see. Oh, this was this was kind of crazy. So uh, Joe Schilling lost last weekend in Bellator. Uh, came out. He had a he left a pretty long video um, explaining kind of what was going on. Basically, he said he came in with an illness that he was throwing up before the fight. He had leading up to the fight, he had lost. Um, use of his right arm which was pretty crazy so he came in compromised and in in the first round he breaks his left arm with a spinning back fist so man joe Schilling's a fucking gangster he went to war with this guy tony johnson um shit joe Schilling's about as gangster as it gets so yeah uh Wishing him a speedy recovery. He's one of my favorite fighters. I want to see him get back in there. He's very, very good for Bellator. He's an incredible fighter and always action, fun fights. So uh, shout out to Joe Schilling. Hopefully he gets back in there soon. Um, And this came out today. This sucked. Uh, Earl Spence Jr., obviously one of the pound-for-pound greats in boxing right now, had a horrific wreck last night in Dallas. So he rolled his Ferrari um, and I think he wasn't wearing a seatbelt and and flew out of the front windshield. Um, very lucky to be alive. Um, Earl Spence Jr. You know, very, very scary news there. Um, I'm, I'm wishing him a speedy recovery. Obviously, he's 26-0, 21 knockouts, native of Dallas. Um, you hate to see news like that. Yeah, so just after three o'clock last night, he was in that wreck. So the the pictures look terrible. But uh, oh shit, here's a video of the crash. Let me see this. Holy shit! Man. So it looks like the Ferrari rolled several times, and then Earl Spence was ejected from the car. Whew, shit. Thank God he uh, he was able to survive that one. That, man, that looked fucking nasty. Uh, so prayers for Earl Spence, you know, one of the greats. Um, hopefully he's able to recover fully. That, that looked really, really bad. Um, so that's pretty much it for this week. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. A little bit of a slow week. Um, I'll be back next week to break down UFC Tampa. And then let me see what's after that. Uh, 
Um, after that, we've got an ESPN card. Oh, the UFC Boston. Um, some good fights on that. So we'll we'll do a little breakdown. Looking forward to those fights. Alrighty. Until next time, thanks for tuning in again. This is Parker's MMA Show, Episode 8, signing off. La, 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 wait till I get my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I woke, I smit that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. I feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what I do, act more stupidly. Bought more jewelry, more Louis V. My mama couldn't get through to me. The drama, people suing me. I'm on TV talking like it's just you and me. I'm just saying how I feel, man. I ain't one of the Cosby's. I ain't go to hell, man.